Welcome to The Link Church. We pray this week's message inspires you to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus. You can grab a seat when you're ready to go. I trust you had a good week. Ready for another one? Oh, I like it. I hear when somebody said that a great week. That's what I like to hear. Here's my prayer for you is that that you would leave tonight and it wouldn't just be something you've heard, but, but you'd, be, you'd actually put some thought to the fact that you have an opportunity to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus. And um, I, I, uh, I realize that a lot of people know the name of Jesus, but not very many people have a relationship with him. And I want you to know that you can, and it can be personal. And that's powerful. It's bigger than church. It's bigger than just about every other thing that you've gone through in your life. You have an opportunity to have a relationship with a God who genuinely loves you, right? And so that's my heart, that you wouldn't think about anything else this evening, but it would be about Jesus. Amen? Amen. So uh, we're doing three weeks. Last week we spoke about uh, His power. Uh, This week we're going to talk about His presence. Next week we'll talk about His purpose. I said last week uh, was good. I, I gave the analogy, or I gave you an example of a toaster. Uh, as, as amazing as a toaster is, unplugged from a, sen- from a source of power, it's nothing more than a brick, right? Now, I'm not saying that if you're unplugged from Jesus that you're a brick, but, but you just don't have that much power, right? If you're going to try and live this Christian life, you need to be connected to Jesus, Right, and, and it's 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 a it's a bit of a shift because the a lot of people are trying to connect everyone to a person. They're trying to connect them to a church. They're trying to connect them to anything other than Jesus. And the trouble with that is, if you're not if you if you're focused on anything else, if anything was to ever happen to the church or to your pastor or to your mom or to your dad, if anything was to happen, that can rock your faith to the place where you never recover. And so you've got, to, you've got to make that decision. You've got to turn your attention and hear from Jesus. As much as you love uh, what I preach, the, I hope you have a Bible. If you don't, tell me. I'll be more than happy to buy you one. But I really want to encourage you to read it. Read it. I want to encourage you to go home and to check. Is what Andrew said correct? Because right? if it's not correct, you need to ignore that and go to what is correct. Amen? And so uh, last week was his power... This week, we're going to talk about His presence. I'm probably going to try and teach us a little bit more than what I would usually, um, because there's a lot. There's a lot to get through. I'm probably not going to get through it all, but we're going to go as hard as we can. Amen? The next three hours is going to be good, though. You're going to enjoy it. Um, here's the key. If, if you're going to leave early, if you've got a notepad, a pen, an iPhone, uh, you can write this down. If you've got an Android, we're going to pray. Um, Anything other than an iPhone, not really kind of acceptable in this church. Um, We judge hard. I judge hard, yeah. Um, Here's the thing, if you're taking notes, uh, when a Christian is present, God is too. When you are present, God is too. And a lot of the time, you think God is somewhere out there. He's kind of this abstract, this object. We, We say stuff toward, we call it prayer. Right? Or we inform him. We also call that prayer. Like, God, I want to do this in Jesus' name. Right? That's not prayer, right? But but I hear what you I know where you're going, but it's just that's not how it works, right? And so where you are, God is too. And I want to I want to touch on that aspect this evening. Because when Jesus was alive on earth, things seemed different. 
things were different. I read and I look at his life and things were different. He did around three years in ministry. He raised up 12 guys and he had one dud, right? If, if you've got a small group and you've just got that one dud, it's okay. You're just like Jesus, right? And if you are like that dud, you know, just know that there's others that will pick up where you drop the ball, right? So it's all going to be okay, right? So 12, 12 guys, 11, let's call it 11. 11 guys, solid, changed the world, turned the world upside down. Turned the world upside down. You and I are here because these 12 turned the world upside down. My prayer is that like there was these 11 or 12 guys who said, yeah, we're going to pick up this, we're going to take up this opportunity and we're going to go out and make a difference. My prayer is that we would be the next generation to do that. That we wouldn't just sit back and think, well, what could I do? But rather, no, I'm going to find out what I can do. I may not be able to save the whole world, but I may be able to do something, right? And we may not be able to reach everyone, but we can reach someone. We can't love everyone. Lord knows I don't love everyone, right? Most of you, right? It's a struggle some days. It's a struggle, right? It is, it is. But I can, but I can give everything I got. I can choose to make a difference. Twelve guys. These were rough guys. They were just like you. They had bad language. Some of you don't have to say amen, but I hear it in your mind. You're like, yep, amen. As soon as somebody said, we're going to be late for church. You remember that thought that went through your mind? These guys were like that. You were like, oh, really? Right? They were fishermen. These guys were not some rock star, superhero, billionaires. No, they were just like you and I. I don't like fishing, but I'm grateful someone does. Pastor Daryl. They used to fight and bicker. Made lots of mistakes. That's encouraging to me. Questioned everything. That's encouraging to M. They lacked faith. I left that one out for you. They hid. They broke the rules. They, they argued. They denied Jesus. These guys, these guys, when it came to messing things up, they did a great job. But they stuck it out. They never quit. You never see Jesus say to them, this is what I want you to do, and they just get bent out of shape. You know what? Stick it. I will go, to, I will go sit under that other rabbi. I'll take my money with me too. Right? There's none of this kind of threat. There's none of this uh, pushing back. And Jesus was tough. Like, you can be grateful that he's not your pastor. Like you can be, th I am thankful that he's not my pastor. Like if he was here, it would be tough. Like I want to follow him, but someone died. He's like, yo, let the dead bury the dead. Yo, that's my mother you're talking about, bro. You know what I mean? Like, like where does he get off with some of the stuff he says? But they stuck it out. They never quit. And the truth is they considered it an honor to be with Jesus. No, I, the reason I think they, they stuck it out is because Jesus is awesome. He really is awesome. Like, we pick on some of the, the tough bits. Have you ever noticed that? Like, man, you be a Christian, it is hard. Yeah, it is hard, but it's also awesome. And we seldom talk about how great it is. We're like, well, you got to take up your cross. Yeah, okay, I do. I've also got, it, I've got eternal life as well, just by the way. Right? It's not going to be easy. I'm healed. Yeah. You're going to struggle. Yeah, but I'm not the same as I was back then. 
Like we forget some of these things, right? And we forget the fact that Jesus was amazing. What about the bit where he just loves and his compassion, his teaching and his faith? I mean, he just speaks to stuff and stuff happens. Like you, you, you think in moments that you have faith. This guy walks on water, speaks to a tree, it dies. You know, Lazarus come forth. The dude just is dead. Just wake up. Mm, that's what I'm feeling good. Let's go. I mean, he walks into the room. Someone's dead. And he goes, everyone out. Lack of faith. She's dead, bro. She, she's, she's not breathing. That's normally a good sign. She's blue. Out. You've got no faith. She's sleeping. They don't sleep blue. They don't sleep that way. They don't sleep. Like, because it's not like he was outside and he just kicked open the door. I'm here. No, they told him, you've got to come. He's like, yep, I'll finish my coffee and I'll be there. She's dead. Okay. I'm still drinking my coffee and I'll get there. And people are crying. And he just walks in. She's sleeping. Bro, she ain't. She... But he was right. Turns out you do sleep blue, and when your heart's not beating, you're sleeping. Right? What about his power to heal? Or one of my favorites, the way he sat outside an almighty loving God and made a whip. He thought, man, when I get in there, someone's going to bleed. There's going to be broken bones in a second. I love that he sat down. He could have done anything, but he considered just, I'm going to braid it. I want this to hurt. Man, it's like my mother took lessons, right? There was a boldness, and he, was, he had jokes. He would have been a funny guy, right? Because when you go to that Christmas party, and you've got that grumpy aunt sitting in the corner, that's not, you don't gravitate there. You don't get there awesome. Man, I know my cousins are here. We could be playing cricket outside, but I'm going to hit up the old grumpy grandma in the corner who's just going to go, well, your ears are just, what are you doing, boy? No, you don't. Like, you don't gravitate toward people like that. This guy could pull a crowd. He was magnetic. And he could preach without a mic. I'm learning. College. Oh. There was an opportunity for me. I just failed. Lord, I just failed. And he could cross cultural boundaries and he shared a new perspective and he, told, he spoke truth. In a world that's just all kinds of messed up, he spoke truth. And he loved people. And he loved kids. Nowadays, anyone in the church who loves kids, you're like, man, we've got to watch that. Man, that's a great trait. We should be grateful for that. And we should pray for everyone back there. There's a, lot, there's a lot of kids in that room. Lord, help them. He preaches about this new kingdom, and then he demonstrates it. He shows a different way to live and a different way to lead. And I, I think about this, and I wonder, how do you live? What do you demonstrate? What example are you setting? When the world looks at you, what do, what do they see? Are you awesome to be around, or... Or what? Are you the reason people stick around? Are you the reason crowds gather? Because Jesus seems to be amazing when he was around. People just come. They just came. They hear about him and they just came. And they didn't agree. I mean, they stoned him. Like one minute they're like, man, this guy's good. 
Next man up, kill him. That's it. Let's stone him. So they didn't always agree, but they were there. So his presence was felt when he was there, and his presence was felt when he left. And I wonder sometimes whether we're awesome to be around, or, or is the body of Christ just divided and argumentative and difficult? Do people gather around us or avoid us? Do people miss you when you're gone, or are they just hoping that you'd leave? Right? And why does it matter? Because here's the thing. He was modeling a way of living that we were supposed to be able to replicate. It wasn't that difficult. What do they say? Like his teachings really spoke to about a sixth grade level. So even when I left school, he still made it easy for me. He's like, I got Andrew just before he left. It's going to be all good. It wasn't complicated. And we're supposed to be replicating what he did. We're supposed to try to be more like that. We're supposed to try and live like him and love like him and lead like him. I see a lot of people replicating their friends, their boss, uh, toxic things out in the street, what they see on TV. There's a lot of replicating going on, but I don't see it people replicating the way Jesus lived. You want to know why you struggle in life? It's that. It's that. It's that we walk in here on a Sunday and we raise our hands. God, you're so good. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for setting me free. And then we walk out of here. And for the next six days, we cause havoc. We cause chaos. If you want to live like Jesus, if you want to live like these disciples, and if you want to live out the call that is on your life, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. I, I know what I'm capable of even with the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm all kinds of messed up. Without that, you remove God from my life? My, I, that is all where my testimony is built. All on that side. It's all chaos. There's not a lot of talk about this. There's not a lot of talk about the presence And it's about his presence, not yours. So how do we do this? I want to read out of the book of Acts. I like this. I said last week, the birth of the early church, I like it because it's raw, right? They didn't have all the lights and the cameras and all this. I wasn't like plugged in and humming and buzzing everywhere. And I don't know. Like it was just raw. It was real. There was something, there was something authentic about it. And they had no flipping clue, which makes me feel better. Right, Everything was kind of new, and it was exciting, and it was about this. It was about relationship. I heard somewhere this week that it was only about 500 years ago that, that we changed the way church ran, and we gave some guy with long hair and earrings a microphone. And we put him in front of, that's how old I am, and, and they, they, we put them in front of people. It was only about 500 years ago. Before that, we used to gather around the, the breaking of bread, around communion, around, around Jesus, around his body and his blood and fellowship. And it was testimony and story and share. There was something different about the church and we've changed it. And I don't know how we'd ever get it back, but, but there's something that has to change. And this has to become more important than this.
They didn't have microphones. I don't know how they wrote this. Some dude was writing fast. Act 1. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be a witness. It's going to testify to me in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You're going to receive power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Man, those guys, Jesus, Jesus, they, they would be like shaking. You want us to change the world and you're leaving? You're, you're dead? How are we going to do this? Because up to this stage, it was Jesus. It's like, you got this. Yeah, you had it better. You were doing a great job. Now they're shaking, they're nervous, like you. You're wondering, like, God's telling you to go out and, and, and to reach this world and make a difference. And you go, I don't know how to do this anymore. I don't know. Acts 2, just fast forward a little bit more. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, so 50 days after the crucifixion. They're all with one accord in one place. They're united. They are united. The church is standing together. Not talking trash, not gossiping, not whinging, not whining, just together. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, sort of a rushing mighty wind. This is how they're trying to explain it. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to be divided tongues. This is all weird. If you haven't been in church ever before, you're listening to this. This is odd. What is going on here? As of fire, one sat on each one. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. There's something, there's no, listen, there was no brand when you walked in. There was no The Link Church when you walked through the door. They were in an upper room and they were praying and it was this. And people have walked out, if you go and read, people have left and they're standing together. We don't know what to do. And they're crying out to God and it wasn't this joyous occasion. They weren't skipping in a circle, holding hands, all excited. No, they're wondering what's going to happen next. Are we going to die? And they're crying out to God and suddenly something happens. When you, when, when you connect with people and there's a unity and, and we stand together and you're seeking God, not anything else, and you're saying, God, I don't know how to do this anymore, something happens. They start to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is God's leading. They were, they were living in Jerusalem, devout men of every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. Amazing when God turns up, people come. And they were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. These guys are all speaking in different languages. And everyone is gathering and they're going, yeah, how does he speak Spanish? Right? How does that work? And they, they were amazed. They marveled. What, what, look at one another, looking at one another. Like, oh, these guys... They, like these guys speak like English and stuff. How does he know? How does he know how to speak French? They're amazed. They're confused about this thing. There's lots of names that we're not going to go. We're going to go down to verse 11. And we hear them speaking in, in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that's what comes out of you. In Spanish, though. No, I'm joking. That's what comes out of you, right? You, you start to talk about the wonderful works of God. 
I see a lot of people, they give their life to Jesus, they, 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 they filled with the Spirit of God, and all you ever hear from them is how bad they were, how much they, what drugs they took, how much they used to drink. Uh, now I've got to tell you about all these girls. There was like three, and like, you, you've got all these different things. You, you never hear about what God's doing today. You never hear about what God's just done last week. And there should be that, like, man, you won't believe I was just... You won't believe what happened this week. This is what God did. This is what God's showing me. It's just old. It's just old. I can remember such a confronting thing. Um, I was leading the youth. And it was just a horrible thing. But I can remember I was, talking, I was talking to somebody at one stage, and he started laughing at me, and he said, Is that all you got is what you used to do? We're not friends anymore. Um, I don't tolerate that kind of nonsense. And, but how confronting is that? Verse 12, and they were all amazed and perplexed, perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? What the actual? What is going on here? Others mocking said, they're full of new wine. Man, I don't judge those people. I don't even judge. It would have been super weird. That had been like 100 bucks says these guys are drunk. 100 bucks. There's no way this guy can speak French and his brother can speak Spanish. It's just not happening. They've been drinking, right? They've been drinking. So I won't judge them too hard. But they were promised the Holy Spirit and they got it. They were promised the Holy Spirit and they got him. You're promised the Holy Spirit, you can have him. You can have him. You don't have to struggle, right? And so what do we do next? What do we do next? And this is where I want you to kind of catch this. Here's the struggle I always used to have. I want to give my life to Jesus. I understand that God is holy. I also understand that I'm kind of the opposite of God. I'm, I'm messed up. Right? Now, I can't go to heaven. I can't enter heaven because God cannot receive sin into heaven. So I can't go to heaven because I'm a mess. But you're telling me to give my life to him, and I know in my heart that tomorrow, even if I do it, I'm going to be like, God, change my life, I receive you, and what am I going to do tomorrow? Mess up. And so we got this, we got people coming and going, please God, forgive me, I want to be a Christian, and then Monday they mess up, oh, I'm all kinds of, I'm gone, I'm, that's it, I'm never going to make it, right? And we got this like, we're struggling, and the truth of the matter is, you can't. <laughs> he cannot receive you into heaven a mess like that. When you give your life to Jesus, that's why it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, right? So when you give your life to Jesus, you don't get to die to almost everything. It's all or it's nothing. The trouble is that I, my earth suit this. Right? Although, like, when I get there, when I get to heaven, you get a glorified body, I'm convinced I'm getting the same thing. Right? I'm convinced about it. Right? Like, but, but I cannot, I cannot, I must understand that I, sin is not what I do. Sin is who I am. I'm a mess. At birth, I'm a mess. Right? You don't have to teach a kid to lie or steal. They're just naturally good at it. Right? And so, there, you are a mess. When you give your life to Jesus... The price that was paid, the blood of Jesus washes away that sin. And when you are clean, the Holy Spirit can come. Now, will you mess up? Yes. Yes. 
Yes, you will. Give time. Right? Took you this long to become a mess. Just give it some time. Right? There are going to be things that you're going to get better at. When, you, when you're driving in the road, you will never stop the guy from cutting you off. But you will get better at how you bless him. You're like, man, I just, you know what? I could say something nice, I just won't even. Right? You're going to get better at things like that. There are things like addiction that can be broken. Stuff that was holding you back. Things that you look at. Stuff you were smoking. Other stuff you were taking. Stuff that's medicating you. There is a past that was hurtful. Stuff that happened to you. Not your fault. But he's going to restore something in you. And you're going to begin to live a different life. You're going to begin to say, that is not going to hold me back from the future that God's got for me. There is going to be a change in your life. But you need the Holy Spirit. Right? Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, I believe the holier a man becomes, the more he mourns over the unholiness which remains in him. The more you change, the more you become like Jesus, the more you're going to dislike the old Andrew. I'm going to dislike that. I hate that I keep stumbling there. I hate that I keep making that mistake. It bothers me that I keep looking at that. But I can keep going to God and He's going to help me and He's going to restore me and I'm going to get better and I'm going to get stronger and there's going to come a day where I'm going to beat it. And that's part of your testimony is saying, man, I once was held by this thing. I used to drink or I used to smoke and I'm free. I got free. I gave my life to Jesus and it took six months, man, but it was work, but I got there. I'm never going back. My life's better today because of what God's done. There's something different that comes out of you. If you want the Holy Spirit, this is what it's going to take. You need to stop trying to look like everyone else and speaking like everyone else and looking at what they look and behaving like them. If you want to live like these guys did who walked with Jesus, there has to be a change. And some of it's on you. And God doesn't need you to fit in. He needs you to stand out. I used to say to the, the young people, you know, if I walk into a party and, and, and everyone's just drinking and off their face and taking stuff, when I walk in, I understand you're there. But when I look at you, will you look just like them or are you going to look different? Are you going to sound just like them or are you going to sound different? Do we stand around a barbecue and when somebody makes a joke about your girlfriend or your wife, do you laugh just as hard as everyone else or do you get to that place where you go, no, mm -mm. no, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm all for laughing, I'm all for joking, but there are certain things where we have to just draw a line in the sand and say, no, I'm sorry, I, I can't. I remember I went to a, um, like a Bucks party the, the dude's about to get married. He's talking about his ball and chain. I said, man, it sounds, like, it sounds riveting. It sounds like you guys are going to have a great old time. I could only imagine why you'd want to marry her. She sounds horrific. Like she's fairly good looking. But, I mean, who wants to drag that along with you the rest of your life? Why would you call her that? Why would you call her that? So the, the sad thing is I know what she calls you.
Do you stand out? Are you different? Do you want to be different or do you just want to fit in? Do people want to be around you more or around us more in the same way they wanted to be around Jesus? Like there has to, for this to happen, there must be a change. And it's time to realize this, that everywhere we go, if we've given our life to Jesus, everywhere we go, if we've got the Holy Spirit, His presence goes with us. And it took me a very long time to understand this. I remember speaking to uh, one of my mates. I said, I walk into a place. I want to reach out to this guy. I know he's, he's not a Christian. I really want him to come to church because he's awesome. I'm terrified. I am absolutely terrified of how to even bring up this conversation. I wonder, it sounds so bizarre. I want to reach him so bad, but I don't, I'm so scared. And I feel so isolated and alone in that moment. I don't know what to say. My, my mouth's suddenly dry. Um, you know, I'm stressing. I'm sweating. Like, is it hot in here? Is it just, you know, like, and, and, and he said, man, do you have any idea how much God wants to reach that person? You think you feel that way. Imagine how he feels. He's going to be working through you. And there's this boldness that needs to come where it's like, it's, but it's not me. You reject Jesus. You're not rejecting me. It's not like they go, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like Jesus. It's not like I can go home and go, man, he just hates me. That's stupid. He said Jesus. He doesn't like him. Where you go, his presence goes too. And we need to start to behave like Jesus did. We need to start to behave how, how those guys behaved, not how your friends behave or how your boss behaves. We need to behave differently. We need to care for one another. We need to love one another. We need to be there for one another. We need to support each other. We need to look and go, man, that person's struggling. God, I just want to lift that person up. Or how can I help? Not that person's struggling. Man, I'm not surprised. She is a tramp like you ain't never seen before. That's what we do. We just gravitate to the negative. We just find everything to say. Well, I'm not surprised. She doesn't come to church often. Okay. Okay. When you start to do this, when you start to reach out and care and love, you become magnetic. People just come. They want to be around you because there's something amazing about it. And the truth of the matter is, they're not there because you're awesome. They're there because the presence of God is magnetic. The presence of God. I remember I, remember I, I, I preached at a, a church and it was funny. I climbed off, I climbed off the pulpit. It was awesome. Had a great time. Got to pray with a whole lot of people. Just a lot going on. You know, like when, when you, you're nervous because it's a different church, and but just the power of God on display. Like, and not from me, like just somebody praying there. This person getting prayed for. That's awesome stuff. Man, I was pumped. I got in the car. I'm driving home. I'm like, God, that was awesome. That was so much fun. And, and I get home and I, you know, I get home and I'm having a cup of tea and I, I'm reading my messages. I think there was about Five girls who all heard from the Lord that they were to marry me, right? And I'm looking at this and I'm going, oh no, oh no. I knew I should have preached with a shirt on. I knew at the time, but the thing is, like they all, and, and it, was, it was the craziest, craziest experience. And so I sent them to the pastor. I was like, just so you know, like, just so you know, like, 
just so you know, like you need, a, you need to send a team, you need a help, right? I need help. Like I'm one of those people now, I need help. And, and I remember him messaging back, I'll never forget this. He goes, mate, don't worry, it wasn't you that they fell in love with, it was Jesus. You ain't all that. He is though. And we forget that, right? Like we carry the presence of God. That's why it's awesome to be around Christians. Because there's something about us, even though we're weird. Even though we're all kinds of messed up. There's something cool about us. Not all of us, but there's a lot that's cool about it. Right? How do people do this? How do people meet Jesus? By meeting his ambassadors. 2 Corinthians. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God was pleading through us. And we implore you on, uh, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You're never ever going to get an opportunity to spe- uh, spend time with people. Never, ever, ever, ever. Unless you're an ambassador for God. You want to see people saved? You want to see a city changed? I only need Kurt. Just you, Kurt. You can come. If you want to see people reconcile to God, you need to realize that you're an ambassador. You carry His presence. You walk in, and that's what they see. You know that um, I've, been, I've been doing this experiment over probably the last six months, I've been asking um, non-Christians this question. Why do you not want to go to church? I'm not inviting you. I just want to know why you wouldn't go. Here, here's, here is the overwhelming reason. I went to school and I ain't never having that in my life again. That's a big one. That's a massive one. The other reason people will not go to church is because of a Christian Because they met one of us. And the best they got was they were repulsed and thought, I want nothing to do with that in my life. Weirdly, the biggest reason they came back was a Christian. But there are a lot of people who don't want to be out. They don't want to be Christians because of us. The way we behave. Jesus wasn't, didn't behave like we behave. We got a lot to say four beers in. We've got a lot to say in certain moments, and we need, to, we need to curb that. We need to watch our mouths. When you give your life to Jesus, you receive the Spirit of God. You carry His presence. I want to read this to you because this is powerful. 2 Corinthians says, Now the Lord is Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty or freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. When you receive the Holy Spirit, there's a freedom that comes. There's something that changes in your life. Everything starts to shift. Everything starts to look different. And if I'm honest, when I gave my life to Jesus, that that day, I don't think I gave my... It wasn't my conversion as much as it was the beginning of my confusion, right? Like, I, I I left church, I just needed a minute. I was super confused. Very confused. But I was hungry for God. I wanted to give my life to Jesus. I just didn't understand anything. But things started to change. And I used to look in the mirror and I didn't love what I saw staring back. And so I started to change things. 
I didn't have the power to do big ones, so I started with small things. I started with things that I knew were holding me back, like the way I spoke to people. It suddenly made sense when the pastor said, Andrew, you cannot swear at the ushers. You know, I remember a day he called me, he said, did you swear at them? Yes. Did you threaten them? Yes. You can't do that. Did you ask them why? Did you ask them why I had to threaten? And it wasn't a threat, it was a promise. If they do it again, I will kill them. And he was like, Andrew, you can't can't do this. Like, this is not, like, don't be that. Even if it's a lie, don't be that. Just stop, right? And so I changed. This liberty, a state of being free within society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, or political views. That's what you're free from. But we all, with unveiled faces, behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, being transformed, not instantaneously, into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Transformation will begin when you give your life to Jesus. You want to carry His presence. You want to understand what that likes. You need to, you need to give your life to Jesus. Not, not like 98%. You can't do that. That's not how it works. You've got to give your life to Jesus. Say, Lord, I trust you with everything. Not all my money, but everything else. Yeah. Let's move right on. If you have the Spirit of, of God inside you, then you need to start to live like Jesus. You need to realize that you have an opportunity. When you go to work, everyone's like, man, I'm praying for my workplace. Man, you're there. Pray, but you turned up. I'm praying for, I'm praying, like I'm praying for my mom. Yo, talk to your mom. Talk to your mom. You have an opportunity, and so do others. They have an opportunity to encounter Jesus because you're there. They have an opportunity to be reconciled to God because of a decision that you made. And God would use you. He would allow you to be part of that story, be part of it. So I want you to consider this. Eleven dudes changed the world. They had no idea how to do it, but they changed the world. One guy, not so much. The 11, though, they did a great job. An amazing job. We are here today because 12 average people said yes to Jesus and put everything that mattered behind them. And they chased him. And they functioned in power. And they were anointed. And they saw crazy things. And they messed up just like you and I. But there was a leading And their lives were magnetic. And I'm really challenging you to have a life that is magnetic, not a life that's repulsive. Don't don't let people come into your presence and they leave that. They go, man, I ain't never going to church. Let them leave your presence and say, I'm unsure. But man, I really enjoyed hanging out with that person. Like they, they just, there was something different about them. 
There's something special about that relationship. There's something special about that conversation. And we've got to get around people that do that. You know, I spend time with Pastor Daryl. When I leave, when I leave that time that we spend together, I'm stirred. I don't even know what about sometimes. But I'm stirred, like I enjoy it. There's something good, like I caught something. I, I left fired up. Like there was a moment where I thought, oh man, it's tough. And Pastor Daryl, he starts talking. I think, man, it's not that tough. Come on, I don't have enough money. He starts talking. I think I'm rich. Man, I'm never going to be able to reach, but I'm going to reach the whole world. Like there's just something that changes. Why? Because there's something about being in the presence of another Christian. There's something that changes. There's something that happens on the inside of us because His presence changes the conversation. It changes the atmosphere. It changes where we're going. It changes the vision. It changes the, the language. Everything changes when you're in the presence of God. And you carry that. You carry that. You carry it everywhere. All I'm asking you to do is to consider this before you have coffee. Because that's how you ignite that fire. Come on, right? That's revival in a cup, man. That's what that does. It was a gift from God. Everything else is relevant. If you took everything, it would not be okay. But if you gave back coffee, that's what we're going to drink in heaven. So if you don't like it, you need to get on it. And just so you know, for those of you who are chai drinkers, you're a chai drinker, Lord, help. Lord, help him. Help him. Like, I bet you they, they have Androids. hundred bucks says I've got Androids. I don't know what God's called you to. And, and, and if I'm honest, I bet you most of you have no idea what God's called you to. All I know, he hasn't called you to live quietly, hidden away, and, and not engaging with people. You have an opportunity and some people are going to go on, they're like, you, you, somebody like M, M wants to speak to, if M knows that there's a million people on planet Earth, she'll try and message a million. Because she loves people. She's weird like that, right? Like she genuinely, she just, she just like, that's why she's on her phone. Maybe you think that's confronting, that ain't me. Like I'm more of a, like a one-on-one -on -one person. And you know how powerful that is? The problem is when we're like, I'm just like not into people at all. No, come on. You need to get out of that. You need to get move through that. You need to push yourself. Like you can't be against everyone. Otherwise, like your wife won't like you and stuff. Come on. We're ambassadors. Everywhere we go, when you go to the IGA, you carry the presence of God. When you go to Coles, none of us go to Woolies, but when you go to Coles, when you go to the Shell and you buy $1 coffees for people because you love people and you want to bless them, you carry the presence of God. I just want to tell you something. Go to the same fuel station every single week. Build the relationship with the person behind the counter every single week. You never know. You never know. I think it was Joe was telling me how long you've been paying overpriced. Two years. Two years she's paid too much for fuel. Two years. Why? So she can build a relationship. But only now the girls started connecting. And they've got each other's numbers. Two years. So what have you been doing? What else did you do for two years, right? But two years, that's sometimes what it takes. The presence of God, that person wants to know her. And they're going to find out about Jesus because of her. Amen? Come on, stand to your feet. We're going to pray quick. I just want you to just...
close your eyes. Forget about your neighbor. Just forget about him. Just put him one side for a moment. As you stand there, I just want you to think about, have I given everything to Jesus or almost everything? Or maybe nothing at all? How do you want life to play out? You have an opportunity to be part of the greatest revival this country has ever seen. God is going to move. He is going to change things. He is going to make a way. He is going to break things open. He's going to shut down some of these people who think they've got a lot of power. You read through Scripture, a lot of people have got a lot of power through Scripture. And a lot of stuff happened when they started to put pressure. You're going to see God make a way. I'm telling you, you're going to see Him do things. And the the question you have to answer is, do you want to be part of that or do you just want to be a spectator and watch what you could have been part of? I know you want to find out who you are and you want to become that. You have to go to the source. You have to go to the creator. You have to go to God to find out who you are. But you have to be connected to the vine. You have to be connected to Jesus if you want to function in that power. And you think, I don't know how I'm going to become a Christian. I don't know how to do this Christian life. All I can tell you is you're not going to figure it out just standing there. You're going to have to say, God, I give you everything. Fill me with your spirit. God, I want to be full to overflow. I want to function in every way of my life in the way that would please you. I want to bring you glory in every room, in every conversation. I want to give you glory in my workplace, in my family. I want to give you glory at church. I want to give you glory, God. So I want to invite you just to give your life afresh to Him this evening. Just to surrender everything. The worries, the anxiety, the, the unknowns, the knowns. Just surrender everything to Him now. Just say, God, I, I'm going to take this step of faith. I'm going to step into my future even though it doesn't make sense. And I'm nervous. I'm so scared. But I know that more reliable than me is Him. While every eye is closed, I just want to ask you, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, you just feel like, I need to give my life to Jesus, or you've just drifted for whatever reason, however you got to that place, I'm not judging you, I've been there many times. You're just deciding right here, right now, in the presence of God, I need God in my life. If that's you, just slip your hand up, just say, "Can you?" I'm going to pray, if you just say, include me, I see your hand. I'm not going to call anyone forward, that's not what I'm doing here, I'm just asking, hey, just that you would acknowledge and say, yeah, I need to be included this evening, I see your hand. So good. Father, as we stand in this place, we acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge our place and we we realize we need you. We need you more than we even probably are able to admit, but we need you. We need you in our families. We need you in our lives. We need you in our church. We need you in our government. We need you in our schools and our universities, God. We need you everywhere. And so we're, we're asking, I'm asking, God, that you would raise up this evening ambassadors, 
people that would take up that mantle and say, count me in. I want to stand for Jesus. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to back away. I'm going to stand for you in every area. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to push myself. I'm willing to trust you. I'm willing to be known as a child of God above anything. I'm asking God that you would deposit in somebody this evening that faith to say, I'm going to trust God with every ounce of my being. And Lord, those areas where we gave to you, but we took it back because we thought that we could control it better. We just surrender it afresh. We just surrender it afresh. Our families, our friends, all the people we're trying to hold on to, we just give that to you now. I just get a sense that that God is speaking to somebody's kid. I just want you to know that I, this is what I believe. I believe that there's going to be a stirring in the next generation that's going to leave everybody astounded. There's going to be a stirring. God is calling them. I think we're fighting sometimes. We're fighting hard. We don't need to. He's got them. He's got him. He's doing, he's doing in their life what we could never do in their life. And they, they're coming. They're coming. Keep your eyes open for the next generation. These guys are coming. They're coming. You watch those that are sub 30. They're coming. They're coming and they're going to be passionate. And they're going to be powerful. And they're not going to hold back. They're going to, they're going to give their lives to Jesus. And we're going to see a city turned upside down. So Father, I pray that you would bless every person in the room. Let it be that when we walk out of this place, we'd be stirred up. We'd realize, man, I have an opportunity to live a different way. Give us the wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it, I pray. Thanks for being with us. We hope this message leaves you stirred to a place of action. If you made a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, need more resources or want to take your next step, linkthechurch.org has everything you need. Until next time, from everyone at The Link Church, God bless.